Welcome to the audio channel of Dr. Sadat. Preach Christ, teach the Bible, make disciples. So I'd like everyone to turn to Zechariah chapter 1, verse 20. Now, yes, Zechariah is a book in the Bible. You can get there by turning to Matthew first and then going backwards. You're going to pass Malachi and then you'll hit Zechariah. Chapter 1, verse 20. So our theme verse says, Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Let us pray. And now we humble ourselves before God Almighty, whose grace has gifted us and whose love has saved us. Patiently now we wait for thee. Your words are a lamp to our paths and a light to our feet. May the Holy Spirit strengthen me to deliver a word of power so that many to Jesus will come and meet. Amen. When most people think about sermons, when most people think about preachers, They think about an individual delivering a sermon on a Sunday morning. It's something which happens once a week, maybe even two, three, four, five times a week. But it's an event which has a start time and a stop time. But in contrast to finite human beings, God is always preaching to us. It is a 24-7, 365 sermon. And the title of God's sermon is Providence. Now, what is Providence? Providence refers to the fact that God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that, one, he preserves and maintains them, Hebrews 1.3. He, two, cooperates with created things, Ephesians 1.1, in order to, number three, direct them to fulfill his purpose, Psalm 103.19. Let's make this plain. If God was a chef in the kitchen of our reality, he never puts ingredients in a dish and sets it and forgets it and says, whatever be will be. Incorrect. He is a master chef. He takes the pot and slowly turns it. He adds some salt. He tastes it. He adjusts the flame. If the air in the kitchen is too strong, he'll lower it down. He'll add spices at just the right moment. And if he sees something wrong, he'll immediately intervene. And when that meal is done and reaches a degree of perfection that he prescribes, then and only then is the meal ready. That's Providence. God's sermon is providence, and there is a thing called fine-tuning in the universe, where there are certain laws of the universe that hold matter together. The fact that you're alive right now is because the stuff you're made out of. There are invisible forces or glue that holds all the pieces of you together. 
and the smartest men in the world can't figure out where this fine-tuning comes from. That is God's sermon, Providence. God's sermon is providence, and it speaks to us in the environment. We live in a world where our lives are dependent on stuff. We need the sun. We need oxygen to breathe. We need water to nourish us. God is preaching to us and telling us that our lives are dependent on something outside of ourselves. And without that, we would cease to exist. Providence. God's sermon is providence, and he preaches to us in the seasons, in cycles. All men must die. Anything that has life has a birthday and an expiration date. No one can escape that. Empires rise and empires fall. No one can escape that. Life itself goes in cycles, and we are finite, so it begs us to ask the question, what set these cycles in motion? Because certainly I, as a finite human being, have no control over life itself. God's sermon is providence, and it speaks to us in the simple affairs of everyday life. And I'll make this very simple with the story. In the ladder of parental concern, of expressed parental concern, when I compare myself, my wife, and my mother, I'm at the bottom of this ladder. I'm going to keep this 100% honest because I will not lie to you when I get up here. (laughs) Completely transparent. I've reached the point now in my fatherhood where if my three-year-old son has a dirty diaper, I will call my wife and say, when are you coming home? (laughs) If it's within 60 minutes, I wait. I'm not a fake preacher. I'm a real one. (laughs) If my son's nose is dirty and there's boogers all over his face, I'll give him a tissue and say, handle that. Take care of it. Be a man. The next level up the ladder is my wife. If Nigel were to sneeze and have boogers all over his face, She's going to bring a wet towel and wipe his face down and wash his hands and give him a kiss and make sure he's okay. So she's on the the rung of the ladder higher than me. Then there's my mother. My son's grandmother. Now, if my son has a dirty nose, she's going to come over. She's going to give him a bath. She's going to lotion him down. She's going to give him a hug. She's going to check his blood pressure. She's going to listen to his lungs. She's going to call his doctor. She's going to check his temperature. Then she's going to call me and say, you must have done something wrong. Because if my grandson has a runny nose, you messed up at some point. Account. Tell me what you did. Now here's the point. If two loving women can intervene for the safety of a child to that degree, how much more would a loving God who has numbered the hairs of your head, how much more is he going to intervene to ensure your safety? How safe then are we in the hands of God? I'll tell you how safe. 
We are so safe that a mother can take her child and put him in the ark on the River Nile and trust in and believe in a sovereign and provident God. And the hand of God will move and interact with that reality and deliver that child to a place of safety. But not only that, he will deliver the child to a place of safety where he will get the best access to the best resources in the best place at that time. That's providence. And just to make sure we are clear, the world believes in fate. They believe in chance. Fate is a blind archer that fires an arrow into space, not knowing where it's going to land. Providence always has its eyes open and has an exact idea of what everything is going to do and what's going to happen. A providence God is an intelligent architect who can account for every nail, every beam, every pipe, and every wire in the house that is our reality. And nothing happens that he doesn't have a say in or that he oversees. The providence of God has a design in all things, and the end of providence is never neutral. The end is always good according to the kind intention of God's will. Because God's sermon is providence. Let's apply that now to Zechariah. So we're going to be in Zechariah 1, verses 18 to 21. Now I'm going to set these verses up before I read them. So who was Zechariah? Zechariah was a prophet and a priest. He was a guy who was born in Babylon... So you have the nation of Israel. God put them there, chosen people. They messed up again and again and again. They got kicked out. They're in Babylon. Teach them a lesson. Zechariah is born in Babylon, and after 70 years, the people go back to Jerusalem. They go back to the promised land. So Zechariah is a guy, his entire focus when he writes his book is spiritual renewal. He tells the people, you know what, guys, we messed up before. We can't make the same mistakes again. So he's about community building and obedience. Zechariah's name even means the Lord remembers. And the thrust of his book was the Lord remembers us. Let us not forget God. So this is what Zechariah writes in chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, NASB. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there were four horns. So I said to the angel who was speaking with me, what are these? And he answered me, these are the horns which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I said, what are these coming to do? And he said, these are horns which have scattered Judah so that no man lifts up his head. But these craftsmen have come to terrify them, to throw down the horns of the nations who have lifted up their horns against the land of Judah in order to scatter it. So what do these four verses mean? Let's simplify this. Zechariah is having a vision. God is showing him something. 
And the first thing that he sees are these four horns. It's symbolic. These horns mean no one any good. Their job, their mission statement is to scatter and destroy. Immediately after showing Zechariah the horns, the next thing God shows him are four craftsmen. And the craftsmen are going to dismantle, stop, thwart the horns so they can't do any wrong. They came to terrify them, to throw down the horns and make them no longer a threat. So how does this relate to providence? We have three Ps based on these four verses. Providence is going to be punctual. Providence is going to be precise. And providence is going to be prepared. Let's start with the first P. Providence is punctual. God will always find the right people for his work and he will always find them at the right time. In fact, the exact right time that they're needed. What do these verses tell us? God showed Zechariah four horns, and then immediately after that, he then showed him four craftsmen. The moment before those craftsmen were revealed, Zechariah couldn't see the craftsmen. They could have been right in front of them, but because the horns were presented first and then the craftsmen, he was granted the vision, the sight, to see those four individuals that would take these horns down. And notice, too, it is the Lord that showed Zechariah the craftsman. In his natural vision alone, Zechariah lacked the ability to see what God intended for him to see. But it's the providence of God working within reality and opening Zechariah's eyes, which revealed to him who the four craftsmen are. And let's apply this to Joseph, Genesis 37. Joseph was a guy who was despised by his brothers, and they wanted to kill him. And he was lying in a pit. And what does Genesis 37 say? They were thinking murderous thoughts in their hearts, and it says, behold, they then looked up. And what did they see? They saw traitors coming and walking down the road. At the exact instant, the brothers looked up is when they saw the traitors. Had those traitors been two hours late, they wouldn't have seen them. If those traitors took a coffee break on their way on the road, they would not be seen. The brothers wouldn't have had the idea, maybe we should sell our brother into slavery instead of killing him. Those traitors arrived at a precise and exact point in time which perfectly coincided with the brothers of Joseph looking up and seeing them coming their way. Because providence is punctual. There may be a time in your everyday life where you get up late and your mode of transportation is an hour and a half late and you spend the entire day salty and frustrated, cursing under your teeth, wondering, why did this happen to me? But what you fail to realize is that the providence of God, which is punctual, worked that into reality for a reason. 
and you may have told someone hello, you may have walked by someone, you may have told someone who was suicidal good morning, and that changed their day, and your two words, good morning, were punctual, and they arrived at exactly the right time, because providence is punctual. Providence is also precise. So God always finds enough people. Zechariah tells us that God, that four horns rose up, and then God showed Zechariah four craftsmen. He didn't show Zechariah one craftsman. He didn't show Zechariah two craftsmen. He showed Zechariah four craftsmen. So four horns equals four craftsmen. God in his providence was precise enough that he showed Zechariah the exact number of people to the precise degree that was required to do the job. It didn't require six craftsmen to dismantle the four horns. It required exactly four because God's providence is precise and he always finds the exact number of people. And here's what struck me as very ironic. There are four horns, there are four craftsmen, and there are also four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That didn't happen by accident. In the providence of God, he provided four gospels to the precise degree that was required. He had Matthew, who was a Jew, speaking to the Jews. He had Luke, who was a Gentile, speaking to the Gentiles. He had Mark that wrote a book to the Romans or secular society, and John write a book to testify to why Jesus is God. In God's providence, which is precise, he gave to us the exact number of gospels we needed. We didn't need one gospel. We didn't need ten. We needed exactly four, and that is the precise number that a provident God worked out for us. Providence is also prepared. God will always find the right people. Four horns posed a threat. So God did not find architects to rise up against the horns. God did not find poets or musicians to sing a song. He rose up craftsmen who had a skill set and who were well equipped to dismantle the four horns. So rest assured that when the horns become troublesome, then the craftsman will be found. And craftsman comes from a Hebrew word which means skillful, which means they were not unskilled on Monday and then skilled on Tuesday. They had been preparing, they have been working, they had been striving for their craft and their trade for years and years and years. And when they reached craftsman status, they were now ready to be called and to be used by God because providence is prepared. And how does this teach, to, teach us today? Because God always uses skillful people. He uses craftsmen who are excelling in what they do and who are well 
prepared, which speaks to us in two different ways. You may be young, asking yourself, when is God going to use me? When is it going to be my time to be up at bat? And then God wants to ask you, when are you going to be a craftsman? When are you going to acquire the skill when you have now reached craftsman status? Because providence is prepared. On the other hand, you may be a craftsman. You may be well-skilled, asking yourself, when is it going to be my time? When am I going to use my abilities to serve God's people? And the answer is you are being prepared to the precise degree for when the time is right, when the punctuality of God's providence will come to fruition. Because providence is punctual, providence is precise, and providence is prepared. Now the last P, which is not on the board, is peace because God's providence gives us peace. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be at peace. Be assured and know that your reality rests in the hands of a sovereign and provident God. Because when reality is held in the hands of God, we may not understand certain circumstances, but we understand the God, the one that preserves and maintains us. And he is the one that has already gone before us and mapped the way. Providence gives us peace, and peace informs our words, so we ought not to speak against him or to darken counts with words that taint his knowledge. Providence gives us peace, and peace informs our actions, so we ought not to oppose God in outward behavior. Providence gives us peace, and peace informs our hearts, so we ought not to be anxious, but yield to the sovereign pleasure of the Lord. Now, church, rest assured that the providence of today rests on the providence of yesterday, rests upon, rests upon the cross. No matter how perilous your situation, God never acts and intervenes in your scenario in haste. He never rushes to manufacture a flimsy tent to shelter you from calamity outside. But he has built an inn of mercy before the foundation of the world whose pillars are supported by the two horizontal beams of the cross. So before your situation ever happened, before it even begins to cause a problem, the providence of God has already built a refuge, a fortress, a sanctuary for you to dwell in. Zechariah will go on in chapter 14 of his book to say, in the evening time there will be light. And God likes to set people up in his providence. So in the depths of our troubles, when we begin to lose hope, it is then we will see that flicker of light, that small trace of inspiration that will lead us and animate us to put our faith and hope in Christ and to push forward. 
We ought to be still and be at peace with the knowledge of the providence of God that he was, is, and always will be God. And he gives us that faithful promise that he shall never leave us or forsake us. This past week was a tough one because my father, our pastor, suffered a massive heart attack. And the providence of God is punctual because my mother two days prior was in Jamaica. And she thought to herself, maybe I should stay another two or three days. But then something told her, I should go home. And she arrived just right on time. She was punctual. And when my dad began complaining of indigestion and heartburn, she said, you don't look too right. Let's do an EKG. My dad refused to go to the hospital, but she said, we're going. And she delivered those words right on time because Providence was punctual. When they called the ambulance, they got there in record time, four minutes. Because Providence is punctual. They said, where is your cardiologist? He said, he's at LIJ. They said, LIJ is on diversion. We're going to Winthrop. That wasn't fate. That wasn't chance. That was providence. And that was God directing him to the precise... to the precise location where he needed to be. Because it just so happens there were two nurses in the ER who had worked with my dad before. The second he arrived at the door, they stopped. Said, wait a minute. Charles Sadoffel is here. We got to go to work. He arrived at Winthrop Hospital, the precise place he needed to be. He never asked for any special treatment. The original surgeon who came in said, I'm going to let my partner handle this, who was the head of the division, who had 25 years experience, which means he was a craftsman. He was well prepared because Providence is prepared. When the surgeon came out and told my mother, Everything went miraculously well. All four vessels have been bypassed. Now he is doing great. That is the punctuality, the precision, and the preparedness of God's providence working in our reality. So now this morning when I spoke to him, and he's laughing and smiling and talking to my mother and back to his normal self, he is now at peace. He is now still because he trusted in the providence of God. Then I thought to myself, it was ironic because here you have a man whose heart pants after God and he has been preparing the church for decades and decades. And the second the church heard he was sick, they knew exactly what to do because they were well prepared. And they immediately went into action. They got down on their hands and knees, and God asked himself a question. He said, how can I let a man who's been preaching about heart condition for so long, how can he be taken out by a heart condition? 
It's not going to happen. Our pastor always had a regenerated, perfect spiritual heart. And now he's been given a new natural heart. So now he's a double threat. So I feel sorry for the enemy. I feel sorry for anyone who means to do us harm. Because soon he will be back here again, back in our good graces, and we shall be still and be at peace. Resting in the comfort of the providence of God. So be still and praise and glory be to God and to God alone. listening to this podcast from Dr. Sadafo. For more valuable information and resources, please visit chesadafo.com.